This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Got a love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected, and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. To the podcast, Shalligators. So today, our motto and our mantra is going to be about freedom, because we're going to talk about how to get freedom from a friend who's kind of bringing you down, the tyranny of thinking you need a guy to save you, right? And freedom in restraint. What? What does freedom in restraint mean? It sounds like some weird Fifty Shades of Grey thing. Well, I mean, it might be actually, but that's not how we're going to talk about it. But we'll get there eventually. First, let's do our guided meditation. I want you actually to come up with a freedom-based mantra. It could be something thinking about a place or a time that you feel free. I feel free when I'm on a boat. I feel free when I'm making waffles. Or just the word freedom itself. I value my freedom. I am free. I choose freedom. So let's roll our shoulders back, undo that bra, get on the fluffy socks, and we're going to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. Here we go. In through the nose. And out through the mouth. Ah, Nice long exhale. Get all that gross air from the previous days out. One more time. In through the nose. And out through the mouth. Now let's get into our questions. And as usual, we are sourcing these questions from the Shalligator Reddit page. I highly encourage you guys to go there. It's an awesome place for Shalligators to connect. You guys post problems and you comment back and I lurk. Oh, I lurk. And I read what you guys write to each other and how you help each other. And I'm like, damn, do you guys even need me? Like, I need to really level it up and add some value because I got some smart ass fans out there. You guys are incredible. So definitely head over there and connect. It's it's a really happy, wonderful, positive place. So let's get into it. So this first question is titled, Feeling Stuck at 20. Hey, I'm 20, female, and I feel really stuck in my current situation. My parents didn't allow me to go away for college. I was only allowed to commute into my city, okay? This really limited my schools, so I ended up attending the one I got the best scholarship for. I hated it the first year. 
and I wanted to transfer to a college farther away from me, but my parents basically said no, and they pay for my school, so it is kind of up to them. And the programs around me didn't really fit my career interest. So I'm a junior now. I still feel the same way. What makes it worse is that the deeper I get into college, the less friends I have, to the point where I don't have any now. My college is mainly international students, so I barely made any lasting friendships, and I just don't know what to do. If anyone had a similar experience, has any ideas of what to do, please let me know. So the reason I'm addressing this question is because, yes, I had the exact same experience in college. I mean, not the exact same, but the core feeling was the same, is I don't belong here. These aren't my people. This isn't like in a hub of where I want my career to be. When I graduated high school, I wanted to live, baby. I wanted to like hit the big city and date girls and wear crazy clothes and do drugs. And I ended up in the country. And it's ironic that now, as an adult, I ended up in an environment very much like Cal Poly. I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, but sort of downgraded, actually. I mean, I'm in Montana. It's way more isolated and way more country, and I love it. It's just funny that, like, at different points in your life, you need different things. Like, it's such a truism. And at the time, I did not want Cal Poly. I didn't want the country. I didn't want rodeos and cows and chickens and all that shit. I wanted to live. And I'm going to tell you what I should have told my 20-year-old self. Get the fuck over it, girl. I hear a lot of victim narrative in this. My parents didn't let me. I don't have any friends. You, you have no excuse not to have any friends. Just because people are international students, are you kidding me? I get questions from international students, and you know what they want to know? How to make friends. That is the number one question I get how to make friends. It's not about boys. It's not about your body, your family. How do I make friends? And I always say this because I want you to remember that because this is an amazing thing. This is a good thing. It means that everyone out there wants the same thing. And these international students, think about it. They're far from home. They feel maybe out of place in this American culture. Or I assume you live in America. Maybe not. They want to connect with people. They want someone to show them around the city. Oh my gosh, you're a local. That's great. So cut the shit and make some friends, right? Just because people are going to go to a foreign country after they graduate, I mean, first of all, maybe they won't. Maybe the whole reason they're leaving their country is to branch out and not really go back. That's why you wanted to leave your hometown, right? And even if people move to a foreign country, dude, that's awesome. Now you have friends in Belgium and Kenya and South Africa that you can go and visit. That's great. Because think about what you're saying. I want to get out of my town but I'm meeting people who are from not my town and I don't want to be friends with them. Huh? Well, which is it? Do you want to stay locked in your little microcosm, the world you've already always known, or do you want to branch out and experience other things, other ways of life, other cultures? Girl, it's being served up to you on a silver platter. So there's no reason why you should have less friends versus more. That is entirely up to you. That's not your parents' fault. It's not your college's fault. It's not your city's fault. It's your fault. And that's the good news and the bad news, right? And I'm not saying this to like shame you. I'm saying this to wake you up because you are in control of the vast majority of your life. Okay, true. Your parents are paying for things and you're not going to transfer. And that is what it is, right? I, I completely get that. Transferring was also not an option for me. I mean, my mom paid for my schooling and she's like, oh, you can transfer to USC, but you're paying for it. Now, where the fuck was I going to get $45,000 a year, right? I wasn't going to graduate in debt, and you aren't either. And girl, that is invaluable.
well, I suppose it has an actual value. It's the price of tuition. You know what I mean. My number one financial advice for girls your age, go where you can afford. Because people tell us, oh, college is supposed to be the best years of your life. Horseshit. If it is, damn, sorry about the rest of your life. You know, you're probably going to live another 70 years. That sucks. Your 20s are awesome. Your 30s are even better. I don't even want to think about my 40s, huh? But the point is, if you graduate with all this debt, they're not going to be great years. All your friends are going to be going to brunch. Let's get the nice champagne. You're going to be like, no, I can't. Let's plan a girl's trip to Miami. I can't. You know what? I want a new outfit for this date. I better not. Because why? Because you needed to go to a different school? What do you think that school is going to give you that this one can't? And maybe some of those things are are real, you know? Like when I was thinking about leaving Cal Poly, I wanted to go to UCLA because I wanted to be in either like acting or performing or writing or something, something other than farming, which is what Cal Poly was all about. So yeah, there would have been very real benefits to being in that bigger city. But you know what? There is freedom in restraint. We say this a lot. This has become one of my personal mottos. I think Jack White first said it. That's the first place I heard it. Maybe he got it from some BDSM dungeon. I'm not really sure, but it stuck with me. And because he, he's like an incredible, incredible guitarist, just phenomenal. And he's so good at it. He tries to challenge himself. He'll purposely go to garage sales and buy really junky guitars because he's trying to get an A-level sound out of a D-minus guitar. Because that to him is freedom. Why? It's creativity. Ooh, that's interesting. And when I was in Cal Poly, I realized the same thing. I was like, you know what, girl? You're stuck here. This is what it is for four years. So you can either bitch about it 24-7 in your own mind and to anyone who will listen. Or you can, as they say there, cowboy the fuck up. So I found freedom in that restraint. I found creativity. I forced myself to diversify and to keep myself so busy and try so many things to keep my mind stimulated that I was determined to enjoy it. I joined belly dance, not ballet, belly, which is why I can twerk really well now. I was in like the gardening club. I did improv, ROTC. I wrote for the school paper. I started a bunch of things. I was constantly on the move intellectually because I was trying to kind of like blur out the fact that I was bored there, that I didn't really connect with the people, you know, that this wasn't my ultimate perfect dream college in an amazing big metropolis. I was trying to get something out of it that counteracted what I believed was lacking, right? And sometimes that's all we can do. And I remember like being young and sort of realizing this, like, well, if, if you don't like something, change it. And that has, that has been a guiding light for me for sure. And I believe in changing things that you don't like, but some things are not changeable. I mean, without great effort and honestly, without a huge cost. So like the cost benefit analysis of you transferring schools and taking out loans and then having to work. The irony is even if you're at like this dream school, you're going to be so busy working to pay for it or so broke you can't enjoy it. So what's really the point? Truly what you can get out of your college experience, in addition to your degree and what you're studying, is that freedom in restraint grit that resilience, that true foundation of creativity 
where it's like this Nelson Mandela principle where it's like, it doesn't matter where your body is. It matters where your mind is. And if you can teach your mind to make lemonade out of lemons, no matter what the circumstance, that is worth its weight in gold. That is far, far more valuable than whatever you're going to learn for your degree, whatever that diploma is going to say, whatever networking. If you can be this sort of rock solid pillar for yourself, I mean, in a way, you are at your perfect college. That is your education. It took me a long time to get over college. You know, it, it's hard. It's really hard once you graduate. They say the two years after you graduate from college can be the worst of your life. And it's true. You're just spit out into the world and you're supposed to know what you're doing and you miss college and you miss the social aspect. There's just a lot. But I was trying to get over it in a different way. I was trying to get over the resentment I had that I went there. And let me tell you, Cal Poly is an incredible school. It's an incredible school. And I was so pissed that I didn't go to like University of Texas, UCLA, someplace fun, Santa Cruz, San Diego, whatever it was. Every day I had a different place I think I should have gone, right? Now looking back, man, God bless the broken road, right? I don't know if you guys have ever heard that song. It's by Rascal Flatts. It's really cheesy. They played it at like every single wedding, but it's good. And it's overall message is true. God bless the broken road. Everything we think sometimes is a setback. Well, it's a setup, isn't it? If we decide that it is and how that manifests, I mean, it could definitely be a setback where you go to school. It could absolutely be a setback, but that's your choice. You've chosen not to turn those lemons into lemonade. You've chosen not to find freedom and restraint. And at the end of the day, yeah, you're going to be super resentful about that setback. Resentful at yourself. Because you're going to know on some level you were capable of more. You were capable of more than sitting around and bitching and complaining and feeling sorry for yourself and finding excuses not to make friends and finding excuses to shutter yourself away and finding reasons to be pissed at your parents. Yeah, I mean, you can do all of that. No one would necessarily blame you for it. But I have a feeling you're capable of more. I have a feeling you're capable of turning a setback into a setup, into a springboard to a higher level. It's not our successes, even, that make us a success. It's our failures. It's the adversity. It's the hard times that put the shine on a diamond. You know what I mean? So it's time for you to diamond yourself up. I understand that this isn't an ideal situation, but it is your situation. You're going to have not ideal jobs, not ideal apartments, not ideal friends and boyfriends. But it's going to be up to you how you view it. It's like Abraham Lincoln said, folks are about as happy as they make up their mind to be. So I'm not telling you to just like grin like an idiot and act like nothing's bothering you. I'm telling you to change what you can and learn to deal with the things you can't. And I have a feeling once you make it your mindset to change what you can, and once you make a list of all the things that are under your control from your schedule to your money, like you said, your parents are paying for college. You got that worry off your plate. That's amazing. To your body and your health, to what you do on a Saturday night, to where you put your energy and your empathy, you're not going to feel like a victim. You're going to feel like a champion. You're going to feel so energized and in control. But again, that's up to you. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is a question I also wish someone had told 20-year-old me. It's titled, Is Sleeping with a Guy the First Day You Meet the Kiss of Death? She said, so my cousin just met this guy through a friend of hers and slept with him the first day she met him. She always comes to me about her relationship problems, and this is a common theme. She always sleeps with a guy on their first date, if you can call it that, even though they're not really dates, and she gets her heart broken. Is there hope for her with this guy? How can I tell her this behavior will never yield the results she wants, but in a nice way? Oh, God. Oh, I feel like I'm talking to my own self. I'm talking to my own self. I remember, like, I went back the other day and I read my college diaries. Cringe alert! I don't even know why I keep diaries, because literally no part of me ever wants to read them. Am I alone on this? As a writer, as a professional author, you would think I would be, like, jazzed to read things that I used to... To read things that I have written? No. Like, you could burn all my books. I never want to read them again. Because you just change so much as a person and you learn. And it's like, oh my god, I can't believe I literally thought that. And what I noticed in my diary of cringe is that I could not see a fling for what it was. I couldn't see a one-night stand. I couldn't see a fuckboy. I was just a complete idiot. I mean... I wasn't an idiot, and neither are you, and neither is this young lady writing in. We're just inexperienced. But that's why I'm here, ladies, to teach you from my experience, my terrible, embarrassing cavalcade of experiences. I would write about these guys I would meet at parties and hook up with. I wasn't sleeping with them, but we were, like, making out. And I was, like, wasted. You know, it was, like, freshman year, kegs, whatever. And I would, I, I would finish every single diary entry, like, and then this and then that with, I really hope it turns into something. Ugh, Shallon. Oh, I wish you could see me now. Like the hairs on my arms are standing up. I am awash in douche chills, just douche chills for myself. Like you wouldn't believe. Why did I think? That a guy who was going to try to finger bang me in a stairwell after taking eight shots of tequila, like Albertson's brand tequila, was going to wake up the next morning and be like, you know what that girl is? Girlfriend material. What was I thinking? And look, you know I'm sex positive, be a hoe, do whatever you want. But behaviors have consequences, right? And not just behaviors, commercials send messages. And when we meet someone for the first time, And we're presenting ourselves to them. We're presenting, in a way, a commercial, a synopsis of ourselves, a recap of who we are, our best version, a great, crispy PowerPoint presentation of us, the brand, the product, the woman, the myth, the legend. And when we fuck, that very first time meeting someone, that's what our commercial says. Hey, this is a single serving kind of thing. This is a one and done sort of situation. Why? Because that's kind of just the value I place in myself. Now listen, I've had my fair share of one night stands, both, you know, just a few foreplay kind of things and total sex. And they can be really fun. I mean, 
but you have to be in the mindset for it. And what this girl's saying about her cousin, clearly she's not. Because the fact that she's getting her heart broken tells me she has projected an entire fantasy world onto these dudes. She doesn't know this guy. She met him. She's only glanced at his PowerPoint presentation, right? She's only sort of like had his commercial playing in the background and she's decided she like likes him. No, 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 no. She doesn't like like him. She not like likes herself. She dis dislikes herself. She is looking for an emotional escape car, right? An emotional getaway car. We talk about them all the time where you just want a man. I don't care who he is. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care. And clearly she's not that discerning because this is played out again and again and again. You don't fall in love that easily, that quickly, that often. You just don't. You don't even fall in lust. Like I'm a lusty sensual woman and I know y'all are too, but I'm like actually kind of fickle. Like I'll see a guy and he's wearing weird socks or those, you know, those all-terrain sandals. Don't even get me started. And I'm like, don't touch me with those fingers. Like, just don't get your human body near mine, even if he's hot. No, my lust is very fickle. And I think I'm pretty normal in that regard. And I'm sure y'all's is too. So that means your cousin is just looking for someone to save her from herself. So if you want to change this behavior, you can tell her a million times, don't fuck on the first date. Guys aren't going to respect you. She's not going to get that because she doesn't respect herself. So a guy not respecting her is actually going to feel kind of good to her in this twisted, masochistic kind of way. We want people who validate how we feel about ourselves. That's what we want. We want someone who confirms our tape loops so we don't think we're crazy. We would rather be sad than crazy. Isn't that wild? It's wild. So, you know, I've talked about this in a recent video, like, we all know these people who just seem to sail through life, even though maybe they're very mediocre, they're plain, they're kind of dumb. And you're just like, how, how, how do you keep not even failing upwards? You're not even failing. You're just moving upwards or you're plain. And yet you're dating like the captain of the cross team. Like what? It's because they believe that's where they should be. Everyone is exactly where they believe they should be. So if you're in a shitty relationship, that's because you believe that's what you deserve. That's what you believe love is. Love is pain. Love is drama. Love is fighting. Love is making me feel bad about myself. That's how my parents made me feel. That's how they made each other feel. That's what love is. This is what's modeled for me. Well, history isn't destiny, right? We can change that whenever we want. And that's the beauty about being an adult. The downside is we need Botox. The upside is we can choose our own path now. Okay, maybe that's what was modeled for me. At one point, all I knew about food, all that was modeled for me with food was breast milk. Am I still trying to latch onto every titty I see? No, I'm not. I've chosen a different path. So let's start to do that with relationships. So go to your cousin and say, look, let's build your self-esteem up. Let's get you where you need to be. What do you, when you meet these guys, what goes through your mind? What are you picturing? Are you picturing long, deep conversations? Are you picturing someone who's going to like make you feel good about your body? Someone who you can do those like basic bitch fall activities with, go to the pumpkin patch, you know, the PSLs. What are you picturing? 
Now, girl, let's think about how we can do that without you having sex. How can we do that? Because clearly this isn't working. You keep doing what you're doing and keep getting what you're getting. If you can try to be that person for yourself, if you can buy yourself those pumpkin spice lattes, if we can go to the patch together, if you can learn to love your body from the inside or get to the gym and change what you aren't happy about, hey, you know what? Maybe these guys won't seem so attractive. Maybe they're going to be a completion, I'm sorry, a compliment to your life, not the completion, because that's what she's looking for right now. And when I look back, when I was young and in college and doing these things, that's what I was looking for too. I just wanted a boyfriend because there is no chance that all these dudes I was meeting and making out with, my nickname in the story was literally the the makeout bandit because I would make out with everybody. I was a virgin, but I was a, a lip slut. There's no way I actually liked all these guys. If you put a gun to my head, I couldn't have told you one positive trait about them other than they're a boy. And maybe there's a chance they'll like me. That was it. I was simply casting for the role of Shallon's boyfriend. I was looking for that getaway car. And you're not real particular when you're running out of a triage situation, looking for something to speed you off to safety, right? And I sure wasn't. And guess what? Didn't pan out. But when I made that shift, like I talked about in the previous question, and I threw myself into all these different activities... First of all, I didn't have time to spiral and obsess. I didn't have time to get that drunk. I mean, just that alone made a huge difference, huge difference. But I also, I was giving myself that emotional pumpkin spice latte. You know what I mean? I was dating myself in a way. So when my college boyfriend, Ryan, came along, we both met in ROTC. He was a compliment. I already had this really cool full life. And he came along and he's like, wow, that's really interesting. I was like, you know what? Your life's so interesting. Wow. I don't need you to save me. I'm perfectly happy here in this life. I found that freedom and restraint. I feel free. And, you know, freedom, as Janis Joplin says, is just another word for nothing left to lose. Okay. But maybe let's make it a positive thing. Maybe let's make it a really awesome thing. And once I did, truly everything changed. So go to your cousin and kind of approach her from that aspect of, you know, let's, let's diagnose this from the inside out because you're right. It's never going to work. And she is going to be hard pressed to tell you what she actually liked about these guys, except for the possibilities. And nine times out of 10, whatever you think that man is a key to, whether it's, like I said, you know, those fun fall activities to something bigger, like having children, I guarantee You can find a way to get those things in your life without sacrificing your dignity, your heart, or sex. So this last question is a really good one. It's short and sweet, but it's a position we've all been in. She said, my best friend is thinking of going back to her ex-boyfriend who treated her like absolute shit and spread nasty rumors about her just because he hit her up. Just, just a little text. I have talked on and on about how she should not do this. Am I being a bad friend for not supporting her decisions? Ugh, girl, no. So let me talk to you about dogs for a minute, because I've got Cowboy. You can follow him on Instagram, CowboyXO, my little snout law. And, you know, before I got a dog, I was like, we're gonna be best friends, and it's just gonna be like snuggles and this. And a lot of puppy parenthood is yelling. <laughs> like, 
Stop that. Take that out of your mouth. No, get down. It's training, right? And I remember watching Dr. Phil one time and he was talking to a mom who had an out of control daughter. And the mom was like, I just, you know, I want to be your friend. And he's like, excuse me, your job is not to be her friend. Your job is to turn her into a productive adult. Don't do what's easiest for you because that's what it comes down to. It's not that you want to be her friend. You just want to be lazy. Don't do what's easiest for you. Do what's best for her. And I kind of carried that motto with me for a long time and into my puppy parenthood. I'm not going to do what's easiest for me, which might be letting cowboy eat off the table or sleep in my bed or pee on the rug. I need to do what's ultimately in the long run best for him. Get down. You don't sleep there. You sleep in your crate because you're comfy there. No, you can't pee wherever you want to. I want to pee wherever I want to also. It simply isn't the way it works. Because if we don't, we kind of create a monster, right? And we can see how that would manifest raising a child, raising a dog. And it's not that we're raising our friends, but at the same time, we are always, when it comes to any interaction, whether it is with an animal or a person, teaching things how to treat us, teaching people how to treat us. And if you truly want her to be happy, well, it's tough love. And you know what I've said before? I think it's called tough love, not because it's hard on them, because it's tough on us to impart and impose that tough love. And also, I always think it's significant when I get questions from you guys, and I know you like didn't pay to submit this, so you know there's less skin in the game, but when I get questions about like, what do I do? My friend is with this guy and he sucks so bad. And how do I make her see? Because on one hand, it's so incredibly admirable that you care that much about your friends. I mean, fuck, like they should know that you care enough to take it to the streets and ask for help, you know? But on the other, girl, it ain't your circus and it ain't your monkey, right? There was someone in my life, someone I had been involved with, and I cared so much more about his problems than he did, you know? And what do we call that? That is the code, the definition of codependency, right? And I had to separate, not my circus, not my monkey, even if I could help, even if the way he's living is wrong and oh my gosh, you're better than this. Well, maybe he's not. And you know what, girl, maybe your friend isn't either. And this doesn't mean she's a bad person, but we just talked about this in the previous question. We want to date people who confirm how we feel about ourselves. And if she's not feeling good about herself, yeah, she's going to go back to a fuckboy. Well, he lies and cheats and talks shit on me. Something about that feels okay to her. And I'm glad it doesn't feel okay to you. I am glad that you are horrified. Your horror makes me happy because that tells me you are operating in a much healthier place. But she's not. And so again, like we said in the previous question, you could tackle it from that standpoint. Be like, what about this feels good to you? And why? What about this feels familiar? What are you telling yourself to make this okay? But honestly, you said you have talked to her about this. She has made up her mind, one way or the other, for one reason or another, to keep going down this path. And you don't have to walk it with her. And the person I was involved with, watching him self-destruct, I said, you either get it together or I'm gone because I cannot watch this. I won't. I can't have a front row seat to the monster's ball, right? 
And unfortunately, he didn't make a choice that I thought was healthy, but he did make choices. He's an adult. Your friend's an adult or pretty close to it. You know, she's probably not six years old. People are choosing the paths that they're on. And if we chase them down there, even if it's to rescue them, we risk getting lost too. And the fact that you're so gassed up about this enough to ask this on the Reddit thread means you're you're codependent also. And yes, like I said, so much of that is to your credit. It's to your empathy and your character and how much you love her. But you have got to protect yourself from this kind of madness. Because, you know, this is a circus. What a fiasco. Well, we're the ones who keep buying tickets, right? We only know it's a circus because we're still here watching it. Why are we doing that to ourselves? And I believe it really does make an impact when people have consequences for their decisions. And I think you have every right to go to her and be like, you know what? I can't watch this. I won't do it. I'm sorry. I can't have a seat to this. I can't be at this circus anymore. You want to get back with him? Don't tell me about it. In fact, don't come back to me until you guys break up. And not just break up until you're over it. You need to make a choice between him, him and dysfunction, unhealthiness and misery, or the other healthy, magical things about your life. And not just me, other friends, other family members, other activities, because I promise you, and I'm sure that this is true, there is a grave cost to this. Not just you. I'm sure that every aspect of her life has suffered from her health to her grades to her career, everything. We aren't just sick in one area, right? It's pervasive and diffuse. So I think you have every right to say, you know what, I've talked to you about this. You've made your decision, but decisions have consequences. And you know what, I'm making decisions of my own. And one of those decisions is I need to back away from this. And it's not because I don't love you. It's the opposite. I love you so much. I can't watch this. It's hurtful. It hurts me. And if this is what you want to be engaged in, that's fine. That's your choice. I respect that. But I have to respect myself and my peace. No one can come at the expense of our peace. No one. And girl, I have gotten tired and crabby as I've gotten older. I just ha- I've just gotten too busy for bullshit and just unaccustomed to it. Once you start ridding your life of bullshit, it starts to feel so foreign. It's like once you clean your house or get your house clean, the maid comes, whatever, and it's just like perfect and cr- pristine. And then someone like, messes something up or a trash can tips over, the dog knocks over, and you're like, oh my God, my perfect house is a garbage fire again. You can't stand it. You want it to stay clean. So maybe this is some necessary housekeeping you have to do. Maybe. I'm not saying you have to never speak to her again. Put her on the back burner. If she starts talking about this dude, you know what? I gotta go. Gosh, I just, I, I've got so much stuff to do. Don't answer her texts. You don't owe anyone your empathy. And you sure as shit don't owe anyone free therapy sessions, especially when they're not listening. Nothing is more maddening than that. And so many of you guys have asked, like, Shalon, do you ever do private counseling and work with people on a more long-term basis? No, because I cannot stand it when people don't obey me. Like in a healthy way. I couldn't take it to see these things repeat and repeat and repeat. It would make me crazy. It would break my heart. It would hurt me to watch you being hurt. I just, I'm too much of a marshmallow. Like I can't do it. And I don't even know you guys. I mean, I do on like a soul sister level. But if I was talking about one of my actual friends, we've all been there and watched this play out. And it's agonizing. 
So say your piece, remove yourself, let her feel the weight of her decisions, and that might speed up the process of her getting this guy out of her life. They can't miss you if they haven't lost you. And one last thing, I want you guys to go to the Reddit page and read the discussion that's going on about the Chris Watts documentary on Netflix. I was going to like talk about it on here, but honestly, it th there's tons of comments that you guys have, have posted about red flags that, sh is it Shannon or Shanann? Ugh, I don't even know. Should have seen, but also things she was doing that were extremely troublesome. Not that any of that should have led to the absolutely grotesque outcome that manifested. But, you know, it's it's interesting to get into the why. Because there's always a why, you know? And there's always red flags. And you guys really, truly broke it down so well. I mean, for the first time, like, I got nothing to say. You guys are just doing it. So go there and read about it because you guys have a really great discussion going on. And I'm reading... You know I lurk. I lurk around. So I'm reading your comments and everything, and I'm learning from you guys, as I always do. We'll see you later, Shalligators. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shalanlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram, at shalanxo, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet. Stay savage. nail salon and grocery store wait she's at the nail salon and the grocery store i'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store groceries through instacart delivered to my door i don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store